Exodus chapter 33. The passage before us is, uh, I know preachers say this all the time, but this is an incredible passage because of what it reveals about how our mediator addresses God and how God responds to the mediator. The way that Moses presents his case before God is founded on God's personal attachment to Moses. The mediator doesn't say, mostly, you promised. He says, you know me, so save your people, go with us. Exodus 33, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you knew Moses by name, that you named Cyrus, and above all, you gave the name above every name to your son. We pray for that day to come when you will give us the white stone with a new name. Father, we thank you for the attachment and intimacy that existed, that exists between you and Moses, and the greater attachment and intimacy between you and your Son. Lord, show us the glory of Christ. Show us how you know him by name, and he has found grace in your sight. We thank you that you are willing to go with your people because of your attachment to the mediator of your people. Go with us now. Come with us in our worship. Show us yourself through my words. Father, help me to speak boldly and powerfully with the anointing of your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As mediator, Moses thinks, acts, and argues like Jesus. That's what we see in the text before us, as the mediator appeals to God on the basis of the mediator's relationship with God. And in so doing, he learns God's ways and finds even greater favor. The story begins in verse 12. Remember we saw last week, the mourning, the repentance of the people. They took off their ornaments from Sinai onwards because God said, Take off those ornaments. You need to be a repentant people. They did that. Moses' response was to pitch a tent outside the camp, outside the camp, outside the camp, go out there and meet with God. So Moses went out to this tent, we can surmise, though that this conversation, we're not told where it took place, 
But presumably it took place in this tent that was talked about in the previous few verses. We should picture probably that Moses is inside the tent. The tent flap is closed. God is outside the tent. The glory of the Lord. Well, it came to pass, verse 9, when Moses entered the tent, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tent, and the Lord talked with Moses. So Moses is inside. God is right on the other side of the fabric. And they are speaking face to face except that the door is closed between them. They hear each other and they have this conversation. And Moses goes on, of course, to then say, can we open the door? Please, show me your glory. And we'll come back in two weeks and talk about that next passage that begins in verse 18. But here, Moses is inside the tent. God is outside the tent. They're having this conversation. And Moses opening conversational gambit is a complaint to say, Lord, I don't understand who exactly is going along with us. Because God had said in the first part of the chapter in verse one, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to your descendants, I will give it. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way. But he had said in verse 2, I will send my angel before you. I will drive out the six nations. But then he adds, I won't go with you. Now we talked about that two weeks ago, this stunning reversal where all through the text of Exodus, it's been clear that the angel is Yahweh. The angel of the Lord calls to Moses from the burning bush and says, Moses, Moses, Moses says, what is your name? And he says, I am who I am. And then in chapter 23, God promises, my angel will go before you. My name is in him. So as readers, and of course Moses himself, as the original audience of these works and words of God, it's pretty clear. The angel is the Lord. So now, when God says in verses 1 and 2 and 3, My angel will go with you, but I won't. What? How does that work? And Moses' complaint then is, I don't understand. Who exactly is going with us? You've said consistently, Lord, that the angel would go. You've also consistently implied that you and the angel are one. So how can you tell me now that the angel will go and you won't. Now Moses doesn't quite pose it that way, of course. He doesn't say, can you please clarify the relationship between you and the angel? I'm just not quite sure here. But he does say, I don't know who you're sending with me. But rather than posing it as, so do you mind explaining yourself, God? That question doesn't work very well. God is not usually very interested in explaining himself. Moses approaches it a different way. This way that is jaw-dropping. He says, You have said, I know you by name, and you have found grace in my sight. Moses appeals to his own intimacy with God. Rather than saying, Lord, could you explain yourself? He says, 
we're very close. And he just leaves it at that. God, you said we're very close. And the closeness is summed up in these two things. You know me by name. I have found grace in your sight. Moses is the only man in the whole Bible of whom it is said that God knows him by name. Said of nobody else, but it's said of Moses here. Now, we typically contrast knowing by name with knowing by sight. If you go to the same place regularly, there will be people there whom you see and you recognize their face, but you don't know them. You've never spoken to them, you don't know them by name or anything about them except what they look like. You recognize their face. Moses says, it's not just the case, God, that you know my face. You know me by name. You know me well. So, a paraphrase, we are extremely close. That's what Moses is saying to God. Not only are we close, you have given me your grace. I have found grace in your sight. Both of these statements are Moses-centered. They're not covenant-centered. They're not about God's promises to Abraham. Nor are they directly about who is this angel? Is it the Lord? Is it not the Lord? Right? When you pose it that way, we get very close to the Massa and Meribah question, is the Lord among us or not? Moses didn't want to ask that question directly. Instead he says, we have a close relationship. To which God responds, yes, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God responds, seemingly recognizing Moses' premises, and his response is, you're right, Moses, and here's the answer to your real question, I will go with you. Except, as you may have noticed, even reading it in English, it seems odd. God says, I'll go with you. And then Moses immediately says, if you don't go with us, that would be a disaster. Why doesn't Moses seize on God saying, my presence will go with you? The answer is that verse 14 is addressed in the singular. It's just addressed to Moses. My presence will go with you and only with you. God says, you're right, Moses, I am very close with you, and I'll go with you, not with the people, just with you. Now Moses might say, well, look, Lord, I'm staying with the people, so if you're with me, you're with them, but that's not how he puts it. He says instead, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. To say, Lord, I care about this people so much that I am going to take your promise of rest and presence for just me and reject it. Or at least throw that in as a negotiating chip and say, I'm not going anywhere, God, unless you go with all of us. This isn't about me and you to the exclusion of Israel, this is about me and you to the inclusion of Israel. So Moses makes this request, if I have found grace in your sight, 
Show me your ways, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. Based on these premises, Moses asked, Show me more of yourself. Tell me who you are. You've said we're very close. You're willing to go with me personally. I need to know more of who you are. According to Psalm 95, if you remember, this is the very issue with the wilderness generation. They did not know my ways, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Moses doesn't want to be like the wilderness generation that he's surrounded with who refused to learn God's ways. His request is, God, if we are close, let me learn your ways. I want to know more of who you are, how you do things, what your ways are. The more you learn about God, the more that should trigger your desire to know. The God you barely know may seem to be forgettable. The God you barely know may seem unimportant, drab. But the God you know well is nothing like that. The better you know God, the more you see that He is altogether lovely. Moses wants to know God's ways because they're worth knowing. The ways of God are upright. The ways of God are wonderful. They're past finding out who has known the mind of the Lord. There are many, many comments throughout Scripture on the ways of God, but Moses says, I want to know them. If you find God boring, you don't know Him. The better you know Him, the more you will desire to know His ways. So children too, you should be learning God's ways. You can listen to Scripture You can learn about the ways of God. You can ask your parents, what is God like? What are God's ways? Tell me about what God has done. Moses asked this, show me your ways. And he says, there's something I want, God. If you show me your ways, let me find grace in your sight. Now we would be able to affirm clearly as Christians The better you know God, the more you delight in Him. We understand that God is beautiful and worth knowing. Moses seems to suggest that this goes both ways. Not just the better you know God, the more you like Him, but also the better you know God, the more He likes you. That's what he says, show me your ways that I may find grace in your sight. The better you know Him, the better He knows you and the more He will do for you. At least that's how Moses is arguing. Show me your ways and when you show me your ways so I can know you, I want more grace in your sight and I am going to use that grace to request something. I'm going to request that you go with us, not just with me, but with us. The benefits of relationship don't come apart from that relationship. God is not a vending machine. He's not a cow to milk. He's not an apple tree to pick. 
The close friendship with him runs both ways. He asks more from you the closer you are to him. But he also gives more. When I know your ways better, says Moses, I will find even more grace in your sight. More time you spend learning the ways of God, the more of His grace you receive. This is the positive value in theological studies and reading Christian books and spending time in the Word and spending time in prayer. You're not just gaining head knowledge if you're doing it right. You're gaining, you're growing in grace. God shows you more of His favor. You can be more like Moses in saying, you know me by name. You have found, I have found grace in your sight. The better you know Him, the more you'll be aware of your own lack of grace and able to draw on His grace. It's a wonderful spiral that rises up to heaven. God made us for deeper and deeper intimacy. A couple that's been married five years doesn't know the intimacy of a couple that's been married 50 years. Someone who's been a Christian for five years doesn't know the depths of fellowship of someone who's been a Christian for 50 years. Moses puts it in a spiral. You have, I have found grace in your sight. Show me your ways so that I may find grace in your sight. He doesn't say, I found grace in your sight and I think I'm at a pretty good level. We'll call it a day. No. Show me your ways so that I may continue and find more grace in your sight. So God, again, promises, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Essentially a yes, yes, Moses, I will show you this grace. I will go with you. I will give you rest. Rest ultimately being in heaven. Moses didn't enter the promised land, but he got to enter the new Jerusalem. God says that in the singular, my presence will go with you. Singular, Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. This is not just about me and you, it's about me and you and Israel. It's not just about God's attachment to Moses and blessings for him. Moses' requests were about God's people, who are Moses' people, who are the mediator's people. Moses wants something for Israel. And he's not afraid to leverage his relationship with God to get it. He, ref- he advances two more premises in verse 16. The first is, your grace will be invisible unless you go with us. How will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight unless you go with us? God, you have to come along, not just with me, but with us, so that the nations can see your grace. Moses is saying, if you don't save us in this way by accompanying us to the promised land, your grace hasn't done its job. You've failed. Even a pagan can see that. He brought them out of Egypt to bring them to the promised land, but he failed halfway through. So Moses dares to appeal to God on that basis. You need to make your grace Visible, you need to show it doing something in this world by bringing this stiff necked people 
into the promised land. God accepts this premise. Right? At least he relents and says, yes, I will accompany you. God will not be shamed before a watching world. And then Moses' second premise is, your presence distinguishes us from all other nations. If you come with us, we will be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Without God among us, here in the church, we are just another non-governmental charitable organization. We're just an NGO gathered to do some good thing unless God is here. Moses is saying, we don't want to just be another NGO. We are the people of God. We are Israel. Without you dwelling in our midst in the tabernacle, our specialness is gone. Our distinctive, the thing that sets us apart from all the families of the earth, has vanished. Israel was not united around merely a charitable earthly purpose, but around a heavenly calling symbolized by the tabernacle in their midst. Drive around and you see liberal churches, and you can say God is no longer present there. These people are no longer distinguished from all the people on the face of the earth. We shouldn't be that. Moses refused to let Israel go that route, even though their sin attempted to drive God away. Moses says, Father, if you know me, come with us. Show us this grace and come. So God responds positively. The Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. The Lord says, I'll do it, and here's the argument that worked on me. It's because I know you, and because I have my grace for you. God is doing this for Israel, not because of his promises to the patriarchs, but because of his personal attachment to the mediator. Some of us have in desperation used this request, used this tactic. Please, do it for me. When do we say that? Typically only when we have nothing else left. I can't tell you what's in it for you. I can't tell you why it's a good idea. All I can say is, do it for me. Moses plays that card and God accepts it. God says, I will do it. This is the same God who said in verse 3, I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff-necked people. And in fact, he added, if I were to go with you even for a moment, I would consume you. And now he says, all right, Moses, because of how attached I am to you, I will drop this stuff about consuming Israel in their idolatry. Instead, I will restrain my anger. I will wipe away their sin. And he's willing to do all this because he knows Moses. He doesn't mention the covenant. He doesn't mention his commitment to Israel as a nation. He mentions only his commitment to the mediator. Because Moses had found grace in the eyes of the Lord, the Lord will go 
with Israel. The same is true for us and our mediator today. Why is God's presence promised to the church? It's not because the church is so wonderful. All of us have spent quite a little bit of time around churches. All of us have stories of how the church has failed. We've seen it. We've often participated in it. But God doesn't love the church and go with the church because the church is so wonderful. His presence is with us because He loves the mediator. He knows Him by name. He's found grace in His sight. God knows and favors Jesus Christ. And we should too. We're called to know Christ by name. We're called to have absolute favor towards Him. Everything Jesus does is right. He can do no wrong. Not just in our eyes, but really. We should really believe that. Really act on the basis of that. Really talk like that. Someone who talks to you should say, wow, that guy thinks Jesus can never mess up. Because we do think that. God favored Moses and agreed to go with the people for Moses' sake. God favors Jesus and agrees to come with us for Jesus' sake. Our Lord leverages His connections with the Father not on His own behalf, but on ours. He didn't use His influence to cut us out of the inheritance, but to get us into the inheritance. He doesn't keep the Father away from you. He brings the Father to you. God knows Jesus by name and Jesus has found grace in His sight. Trust the Lord Jesus. Love Him. Believe Him. Obey Him. Thank and praise Him for who He is and what He has done as our mediator. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that Moses stood up and interceded for Israel. We thank You that Your Son sits at Your right hand and intercedes for us. Lord, we pray that You would show us His glory, that we would be overwhelmed by the majesty, by the great souledness of the Son of God. Lord, we praise You for the glory of Christ, for the love of Christ. He uses everything He has to save us. Thank You that You know Him by name, and that He has found grace in Your sight. Father, please show us your ways as well, that we too may know you by name and find grace in your sight. Consider that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Help us to study your ways, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory now and forever. Amen.